All right, uh, Vicar, uh, I have a gift for you uh, today. And it's, it, I will admit, it's used, okay? Other people have used it. And it's one of those gifts that you can't keep it, you have to give it back at the end of the year. Um, so I don't know if that's a gift, but it's part of your job. So every Sunday, every Sunday, it's your job to go and put a stake in the ground and put the flag up, all right? That is your job. Um, if once in a while, Ron has done that. Thank you. Jeff has done that. Jeff's in California today. Uh, once in a while, my boys have done But th- this is your job, all right? And, and so you can, you can keep this all, all year long and then just leave it here at the end. Now, it sounds exciting, right? You can't wait to be a vicar, that you get to, to pound something into the ground. And, and maybe we all want to be vicars now. And, and, and so that you can have that, that wonderful job. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, I do think and I do pray and I am confident that your year here will be rewarding, uh, that it will be a great experience, not so much uh, just because you get to, to swing this hammer. Uh, some of it is because of the people uh, that you see uh, gathered here uh, right today. Uh, being a, a vicar, being a pastor, being part of a congregation is people, right? And you have the blessing of getting to know all these faces, getting to know be part of these people's lives. And you'll have the challenge of, of trying to get here every Sunday before Jim does, which I usually, I do that, but not everybody. Not, you know, if you want to outshine old vicar, I think there are a few times that Jim got here before him. Uh, and, or you might, you'll have the blessing of being taken out for breakfast uh, by Joe because he, I think he lost uh, the competition at Piece of Pizza a couple months ago, thanks to the Campbell granddaughters who set that up in the in their study, they said, okay, whoever loses this competition has to take Vicar out for breakfast. So Joe Henry will take you out for breakfast because of that. And, and you'll have the privilege of meeting Joan, sweet Joan back there. You'll always remember her name because she, she wears her name tag, and that's fantastic. And I, I think we should, you know, that might be something for us to consider uh, to do. So I always appreciate that. Uh, you'll have the privilege of seeing little Audrey uh, baptized next week, and you'll get to watch Audrey and Oliver grow up in their first year of life. Just think about that. Next year at this time, they'll be walking, and you will have seen that first year of life for them. How fantastic is that? And you'll get to meet other people. You'll get, you'll get to meet people like Matt and JD and, 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 and other people in campus ministry or Maddie or Alex or or Lonnie, and who else is here from, and William, and, and Andrew, you'll get to, and, and Kennedy, all these people who are in campus. You are, you are going to be influenced by people who, whom none of us maybe even know yet, who somehow are going to walk through that door uh, this year. And, and let that be an invitation and an encouragement to all of us here today, that you, uh, we, have an opportunity to influence and encourage this young man, uh, not just to affect him for the 12 months that he is here in our midst, but really for the, next, for the rest of his life and for the next 40 years of his ministry. I, honestly, I, this isn't a knock on my supervising pastor, but I learned probably more from people like Vita and Jerry and Marv and Dave than I necessarily did from my supervising pastor. And again, that's not a knock on my supervising pastor if he's watching online today. Uh, but but it, it means each and every one of us here 
have a, a big opportunity to be an influence on him and his, his ministry and the perhaps thousands of people that he's going to reach. That's a privilege. That's not a small thing at all. But your year isn't just going to be based on success or your experiences with this people here. Your year is also going to be a good one and success, if you want to use that word, on how you use a hammer. Not a hammer of steel, but a hammer made out of paper. That's what God called this thing, the tool that he put into a prophet by the name of Jeremiah's hands. He gave him a hammer called his word. And, and, and maybe that isn't such a big uh, thing that you want to be today, that you probably didn't sit there before you moved out here and said, oh, I just hope my, my vicar year is like that of Jeremiah. Uh, if you don't know Jeremiah, he's got a nickname. His nickname is Weeping Prophet. Now, he might cry a lot because he misses his fiancée, all right, until next June when she comes out here. But why did Jeremiah cry? He had a tough ministry. For about 41 years, he was a prophet preaching a message of repentance preaching a message that, hey, you need to turn around. You need, to, you need to change your ways. Because the people that he was serving, God's people of the Old Testament at that time, were, uh, well, they, they had a problem. They were, they were infiltrated by other prophets, other spokesmen of God's word, but they were making things up, kind of like what we talked about not to do with the children. And they were just saying, oh, I had a dream, I had a dream. Instead of speaking truthfully, instead of speaking faithfully what God's word says. And the unfortunate thing is, is that the people were buying what these false prophets were selling. Uh, to the point that they really started even to forget who God was. God was kind of dead to them. And so God says to Jeremiah, he says, here, I'm going to give you a hammer. I'm going to give you a hammer. Is not my word like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces? I want you to use my word as a hammer to break their stony hearts down. And that same hammer that God gave to Jeremiah is what he gives to you today to use here. And you might say over the next year, well, I'm just a vicar, right? And we might say of him, well, he's just a vicar, right? Or you might quote me from last year's vicar installation service where I said, vicar, you don't know anything. That's what the Holly trained us, the supervisor pastors, to act like your vicar doesn't know anything. And he may not know anything. But... It's not so much what he knows. It's what he holds. And what God has placed into his hand, even though he's just an intern, even though he's just a vicar, as a spokesman of God, 
He holds God's word. He holds the hammer of God's word, and you need to bring the hammer. You need to swing the hammer. Even as welcoming, as nice and sweet as, as all these people are, and as great as your supervising pastor is, you need to bring the hammer on each and every one of us. Because as nice and as great as we are, what are you going to see this year? You're going to see firsthand examples of pride. Uh, you're going to see examples of people making poor life choices. You're going to see people thinking or speaking ill of one another. Uh, you're going to see examples of laziness or jealousy or poor stewardship or misprioritization of time or energy. Um, you're going to see... Uh, you're going to see people disregarding God's word. Uh, you might see people disregarding God's house. You might see people disregarding God's fellow people. Uh, you might be on the receiving end of undue criticism. You're going to see all what we call sin. <laughs> and you might even at times be led to question our Christianity you might be led to question our faith. And when you see those things, when you see sin, whatever form it takes, you have a responsibility. And that's to swing the hammer. Uh, to, to do what it says here is not my word like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. And we want him to do that. We need him to do that. Because we don't want our hearts to calcify. We don't want our hearts to be like, like that of the people that Jeremiah was dealing with. Where, where all of a sudden we even forget who God is, where God is dead to us. Don't let that happen to us. And so we swing the hammer. Bring the hammer. Break our stony hearts into pieces. But I'd also ask that you don't leave them in pieces. God didn't want that for his people either. Yes, he put that powerful tool into to Jeremiah's hands. Repent, repent, repent. But he also showed his love and his care for those people as he says, as he gave that, that wonderful command, whoever has my word, speak it faithfully. Which is no different than what I'm going to ask you right after the sermon today. You know, as part of your installation right, this is how it goes, the very last paragraph. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, who correctly handles the truth. The Lord leads you to grow in faithfulness. Be faithful, speak the word faithfully. So what does that look like? Yeah, it means swinging the hammer. But it goes on here. It says, not only is my word like a hammer, it also says, is not my word like fire? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord. Now at first, maybe that doesn't sound too appealing to us either. 
So you're going to break our hearts into pieces and then throw them into the fire and get rid of them? Um, no. Uh, yes, it's true. The uh, Bible uses that picture that, that fire can be all-consuming. And fire can also be a sign of judgment. But the Bible also uses the word fire to be more preparatory. Think of like if you ever go camping. And if you, if you bring a, a package of hot dogs to that camp, you, you don't just eat them out of the package. At least I hope you don't. That's kind of gross. Uh, uh, what do you do? You prepare them over the campfire so that you can eat them. Or if you ever, like, you watch those shows where they forge something, you know, you, you forge a knife, what do you have to do? First of all, you have to heat it up. Uh, it's preparing the metal. Uh, same thing. When God talks about his word being a fire, he, he talks about how it prepares us. And, and 200 years after Jeremiah, which is fascinating when you think about it, I mean, if the people are already obstinate and stubborn and turning their backs on God at the time of Jeremiah, but God doesn't give up on them, 200 years later, he sends another prophet who's basically saying the same thing. And, and it's, now it's through the prophet Malachi where it says this, who can endure the day of, of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites. Levites were the very prophets, some of whom were saying, I had a dream, I had a dream, making stuff up. But you'll, his word will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. You get his point? That God just doesn't give us his word. He do, his goal is not for you to burn us up with his word. God's goal is to purify us with his word. And there's one place, there's one place where that word points us to, where it sees us, where that is seen so clear, I and mean, that's, that's at the cross. What do we see happening at the cross? We see God's wrath burning against sin. But we also see Jesus, that mediator, taking that wrath of God, and then as he pours out his blood, he purifies us. The blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. And you look at that exhaustive list that I said earlier. If you're dealing with pride, through the blood of Jesus, you're purified. If you've made a poor life choice somewhere in the past, through the blood of Jesus, you're purified. If you've ever thought or spoken ill of someone else, through the blood of Jesus, you're purified. Guilty of laziness or jealousy or poor stewardship or, or misprioritization in your life, purified, 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 purified. If you ever had a disregard for God's word or for God's people, purified. Unduly criticize someone else, purified. Fill in the blank, that last blank, whatever sin you want. The blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. 
That's the fire of God's word. How awesome is that? When Jesus shared that with his disciples, no wonder his disciples said, oh, were not our hearts burning within us when he, when he opened up scripture to us? That's the fire. That's the fire that you have placed into your hands. How awesome. And, and then what a difference that makes in our lives as he applies that to us. What a difference that makes of our view of God. I mean, you look at, at the opening phrase here, phrases that God speaks to Jeremiah. He says, am I, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? Do not I fill heaven and earth? If I have not been purified, those phrases scare me. They scare the hell into me. Not out of me. It scares the hell into me. Because it, it, it's saying, What? I can't escape God. He sees everything. There's no loneliest road. That's Highway 50. There's no loneliest road in America that I can go to and escape God's, God's presence. It's, there's no, uh, there's no you know, desert somewhere where I can just do whatever I want and God doesn't see it. You mean God's everywhere? God sees everything? Yeah. Holy cow, that scares me if I'm not purified. If, I only, if you only have the hammer of God's law working on me, that scares me. But you are purified. And as you're purified, all of a sudden these words, which could sound like a threat, turn into a promise. Because now it's God saying, I'm a God, am I only a God nearby? Maybe you think I'm distant. Maybe you think I'm way out there somewhere and I don't know what's going on inside you. But as, purif as purified children of God, God promised you, no, I see what nobody else sees. I see your struggles. I see what's weighing heavy on your heart. I see how maybe, and maybe you're going to feel some of these things. You're going you're gonna to maybe feel doubts this year, or you're, gonna, you're maybe going to struggle with your own abilities, and, oh, I don't get this, and, or you're going to feel like a fish out of water, or you're gonna, you're gonna, you're, maybe you're going to feel lonely. And God says, I'm a, I'm a God nearby. Not just a God who's far away. But also conversely, that's also a blessing that he is also a God far away. Sometimes that's more comforting because maybe something we've done in the past or something we've thought in the past feels like, you know, I, I'm so far away from God, he can never find me anymore. He'll never come after me anymore. He's given up on me. That's not what God says here. You know, there's a beautiful psalm, I chase after you. I will his goodness and his love will follow after you. It means they'll pursue you. They'll chase you down. You can't get away from God's purifying word. You can't get away from his love, from his goodness. He fills heaven and he fills earth. Wherever you are. Wherever we are. That's the comfort that we get. And so, yeah, Vicar, you still are going to have this job, okay? <laughs> um, but I, I, I honestly pray this, that every Sunday, as you walk out to the corner of Red Rock and the parking lot here, and as you pound that little stake into the ground, 
you're reminded that you don't just have this in your hand. But as you walk back in that door, you have this in your hand. Much more powerful than something that can put a stake in the ground. You have something in your hand that can break hearts into pieces, but it can meld them together again. So may you just have a blessed year among us. May we be blessed as we each use this word. Because it isn't just Vicar who has this in his hand, right? It's in your hand, and your hand, and your hand. And so as we hold these words, may we just appreciate, no matter what's going in our life, the power, the power that God has right here for you and for me. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. So at this time,